All right, here we go for Saul 99, January 26th. Saul 99. Can you believe it? Saul 99, that's show 99, on Wayne Gretzky's birthday, 99's birthday today, he turns 63. What are the chances of that happening on Playlist Friday, on Feel Good Friday, on a great day? The Oilers have won 15 straight. Eddie Steele, after... Talking about it yesterday and saying, well, you know, I don't know if I can make her in, but I'll do the show from home. All of a sudden, special guest appearance in the studio as we welcome in our co-host, Eddie Steele, the toughest man in sports media. Morning, Eddie. <laughs> and that's funny you say that. I got, I got to live up to my my name that I was known by you know, as I played the balls. Real deal. The real deal. So I got to show up, man. You know, I, When I was retiring, Kevin, yeah. uh, I got a lot of notes from guys, teammates, and guys I played with across the league. And one of the common sentiments that really I was proud of throughout my career, yeah. some guys kept telling me, you were the toughest SOB we've ever played with. <laughs> and I, I loved it, man. That's how you survive. Well, I know you were wake- waiting for me to say our Friday line. Uh, the weekend is here, so let's click her in a Schnell, tear up the old pea patch and make a fast break to the midnight hour and the 11 o'clock hour, which will be coming up in about four hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't expect you to bang on the door here at the uh, studios at Sports 1440 in West Edmonton Mall, but just tickled pink that you could join us in person. I was kind of wondering how it was going to be with you at home. You know, do it, we do it with Grant Fuhr on Tuesdays and things right. like that. And Gregor does it with Terry Ryan, obviously out in Newfoundland and in uh, Sudbury, wherever he is and things like we that. We would have so. made it work, oh, but yeah. I, I wanted to surprise you too. That's why I didn't give you boys the heads up. I what was coming surprise. down. I, I'm just, this is, and like, it was like just a few minutes ago, like not like it was a coming in a quarter two and now he's going through the notes and he's kind of peering down. Let's, let's go. Getting let's get myself right. Let's get at her. And, uh, boy, uh, as, uh, the Oilers have been getting at it now for 15, 15 wins in a row. Uh, were you able to, were you listening to the game, I guess, last night? Honestly, yeah, of your more eye? listening than, yeah. than watching, actually, yeah. yeah. Just for our listeners, Eddie had four wisdom teeth done, a baby tooth and an adult tooth, and then a procedure on his eye. I've been through the gauntlet of, <laughs> of everything medically this month of January, but all good, all minor stuff in the grand scheme of things and stuff that need to get taken care of, and here we are again, good to go. So here let's talk go. about it, it. Yeah, so Oilers 15 wins in a row. Only two teams in NHL history have longer streaks, and that, of course, are uh, Pittsburgh and Columbus. It's tough, you know. I, I was at the game last night, and it was almost like in the first period the Oilers were trying to replicate their uh, what they did against Columbus because it wasn't crisp, it wasn't sharp. Uh, there weren't as many giveaways right. as they had against Columbus. But, you know, we'll hear from Coach K later in the program, and one of his lines was, well, we're just kind of playing well enough to win. And strength of schedule, that's been bandied to death. We've, we've talked about it as well. We know like we know what Columbus is. We know what Chicago is. That was three and four nights for Chicago, played in Seattle uh, last night. But I wanted to ask you this one. How tough would it be to, to get up, to be fully into it, emotionally invested 100% every game, um, and it may get even magnified further? when you are on a streak like this because the Oilers, you know, they have the target on the back. We saw what happened against Columbus in the first two periods and it was somewhat similar against Chicago in the first period. So Eddie, how tough would it be to be, you know, just fully 100% emotionally charged, emotionally invested to get going right off the hop 
uh, and that's what we've kind of seen the last couple of games. You know, honestly, the tougher part about it, it would be the competition that you're playing. Take the streak out of it. Uh, there is a human tendency when you're playing a team that is not uh, up to the same level as you are uh, to kind of play down to them and to not show up, kind of just not show up you're showing up to the rink but to play you're not showing up you're just there you're you're not really playing with the effort and energy that is required and i've been there in my type in my sport as well and you know in those types of situations you got to dig deep you got to find it because this is pro sports but it's easy to play down to your comp now the reverse of that Mm -hmm. you have this streak and with human nature again i don't care what a coach says he's not talking about it they're talking about it in that room and they know what's going on. So that should counter the emotion and that should bring you to the 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 level that you need to be at to play at a high level. And we're seeing that right now. They're coming out. It's, you know, pretty uneventful hockey, not mm-hmm. as much turnovers as you mentioned. But at the same time, you know, they're in the game. They're not down. And then they come out in the second period and on and do what they got to do. You know, but that's the kind of game Chicago has to play right now. They have no other nobody. choice. They have nobody on their roster. They, you know, I mean, with Connor Bedard out, uh, zero pressure. You saw times in their defensive zone, the Oilers would just be circling. There was no pressure by Chicago in their defensive zone, never mind in the neutral zone or, you know, on the forecheck. Basically, it's a, it's a wait for a turnover and then see what we can manufacture, see what kind of transition we can make and they did that a few times let's be honest and we let's give full marks to cal pickard here Mm. i mean what a performance he made a save earlier in the game and no one really talked about it because it was another one of those saves where it went off his blocker uh, off his arm and then it hit the crossbar and went out and that was that was on entwistle as well who got the penalty shot and we'll talk about that in a moment but i mean cal pickard uh, a shutout 27 saves his last shutout was like five years ago you know, yeah. How would it be? I'm I'm trying to f- liken this to say a guy that would come on, s- be a special teams player, and then someone goes down on the D line, and you got to go in there. Like that, I mean, that, that's kind of essentially what it, it would be. Yeah, you know, somewhere like a practice roster guy who's been hanging around. Uh, you know, because oftentimes for a couple of years, you will get a guy who's just you know on the fringe of cracking the roster. He's up and down, and you feel good for a guy like that because they're obviously doing enough to be around. But oftentimes in pro sports, it's such a numbers game, mm-hmm. and for Pickard to get this opportunity and then to play well, take it and run with it. Uh, <coughs> Kev, is he going to be an NHL goalie for the rest of his career? Well, I don't. He, he's know. just he's doing what is asked of him. Exactly. And right now, that's exactly with the way salary caps are set up. These are the guys you need. You you no one said if you, it, let's try to find someone that said the five or six goaltenders that played for Vegas last year then led them to a Stanley Cup. No one was talking about these guys. No, they weren't. No one. And I mean. The other thing, too, here is he gave Stu Skinner a night off. Now Skinner gets back in the lineup tomorrow afternoon against Nashville. We'll see if Corey Perry gets back in the lineup mm-hmm. because that's kind of been the projection to get him a game. I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit to, to get into a game before the All-Star break because he needs to, you know, then he's going to have 10 days off. So even on that angle, you know, for a player to have be off for, you know, six weeks or whatever it is and then play one game, then he's going to be off for 10 more Days. It's going to be a difficult period of getting back in the saddle for Corey Perry. So for a guy with a hockey background like no. yours, yeah. 
When you, they say a guy's skating, they say Corey Perry's skating five times a week on his own. Yeah, I know it's yeah. not game speed and whatnot, but can you stay in shape that way? You can kind of stay in shape, but not fully in shape because a lot of the problem, a lot of problem when you have with your cardio muscles and and everything where you get fatigued is battle, and that's why when you see guys battling in the corner and battling in front of the net, behind the net, along the boards. They're gassed because you're physically engaging uh, with another player. And a lot of times, and people don't really talk about this, when you're physically engaging with a player, your breathing changes. So you're not totally getting... Like, think think about you. When you would engage with offensive linemen, you are... You're going... You're grunting. (laughs) And all of that. And basically, you're robbing your body of oxygen. Yep. And that's what happens when you end up doing that. The other thing is timing. It's the hands. You can do as much skating with without guys and stuff that he's been doing. But all that stuff, it's timing hands. It's many, many things. And it takes a while. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know? That makes total sense. Because football-wise, too, you know, guys, when you're out or you're trying to get back, you're running gassers, which is just essentially sideline to sideline. You'll do a few of those. But there's nothing that can replicate that battle. What a word you use, man. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly it. It's, it's the, the battle. Physical, and the physical engagement. And again, that's... You're the easiest person to talk about this because, again, when you are engaging that with an O-lineman, there are, it could be three, four seconds where you're not taking a good breath. And then what happens is the next breath you have, you're supplementing the last breath you didn't get. Well, and here's the truth about it. You see guys when they make big plays and they celebrate – I rarely celebrated because I'd be so out of breath, <laughs> so gas. And then you got to catch your breath to play the next play that comes up in 20 seconds. Kevin Carries, Eddie Steele, Sports 1440, 7-11. We have a jam-packed show. And, of course, Eddie Steele is brought to you by Bon Ton Bakery. Are you celebrating a birthday this weekend? Are you having friends over to watch the game? Maybe tomorrow afternoon, the Oilers game against Nashville at 2 o'clock. Are you looking for a tasty holiday stocking stuffer? That would be coming up for probably the beautiful holiday coming up in February, Family Day. That could be an option for you. Bonton Bakery has everything you need. Order online at bonton.ca. Eddie, I don't know if you could wolf down one of the uh, the monkey breads right now with the chiclets the way they are. No, I couldn't. I, yeah, I could go you and blend to, it. <laughs> you could maybe, what about something, a real soft pastry with some cream inside of it? Oh, well, that's funny. I was thinking actually on my <laughs> way home. They have some dips. I could eat some raw, soft bread. Not raw, but un, untoasted bread. <laughs> and then dip that into one of, they have a real nice crab dip. Oh, yeah. Something soft I like mean, that. you're hurting the Duke of Delburn last night curling. And he's hurting... His moving look, slow, Duke. Yeah, Duke is hurting from the curling. It's just usually uh, not the, the curling. The, the, the curling um, stiffness, like and obviously, like in your shoulders and stuff from sweeping. Yeah. Because uh, curling with my sisters and my mother, they are uh, they go by the mantra in curling that you know better to leave it a little on the light side and give it to your sweepers and throw it through the house. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. there weren't too many rocks. I wasn't on the uh, on the scrub on last night, but that usually hits me. Like I curled Monday night, I felt it Wednesday morning in uh, in my shoulder. So I'm imagining I'll probably feel the full result of this because we play again tonight 
after the win yesterday. I'll probably feel this uh, tomorrow and Sunday, more likely. Okay, uh, so you were tame. <laughs> I thought you were curling with the boys and, you know, hurting for a different reason. No, 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 no. I'm saving that for, for tonight and tomorrow as well. Well, Because uh, it's the 100th anniversary of the Delburn Curling Club uh, this year. So it's, uh, it's a big uh, banquet tomorrow and a big supper and stuff. And I'll be doing some MCing for it. Um, so post game tonight. You need some curling jokes, dude. Post game tonight, when no, I, I don't think I'll be dropping any jokes, Kevin. It's going to be pretty by the book, I think. Well, and, the, uh, come on, Duke. That's what everyone wants to hear. They want to get a chuckle. Yeah. What I want to hear they get is a chuckle what's just me standing up there, basically. That's what's going to be the supper at the community hall here? I, I would imagine it'll be your pretty typical uh, roast beef, uh, roast beef, beef and dinner. Potato? Yeah, like that. That's I mean, hey, it's that's been the same thing we've been eating in uh, at Delburn Community Functions for no, four H banquets, pierogies, uh, cabbage rolls. Thing. Come minor, on, man. Minor Hockey Association year-end wraps. It's it's usually all the same uh, same deal. I'm not even sure who's uh, doing the catering for it. If it's the usual crew in town, or maybe the guy that runs the um, concession, the kitchen at the curling rink, because we're obviously having the big thing at the the Delburn Hall, not the rink. So yeah, it'll, uh, I don't really know a lot of the details to be honest with you. I'm just going to show up and do what I'm told. Yep. Feel good Friday playlist Friday. Get your requests in uh, to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll get to some of your texts. Uh, Gordon D. Stair Farmer, the Brett from Stony, the King of Fort Nasty, of course. Uh, on playlist Friday, get them in. I don't want to have to listen to uh, uh, what is it again? Again, the one I hate, Duke. Karma chameleon. Karma chameleon. I don't want to hear. Boy George anymore on a Friday if possible. So please get him in. Also, um, text about last night's game as well. Uh, we have a, a jam, jam packed show with Eddie in studio now. Mel Davidson will guess with us at 7.40. Uh, Mel, of course, two-time Olympic gold medalist coach for the women's national team. Uh, a lot to discuss with Mel with the PWHL and uh, she's going to be a double IHF Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, Mark Spector at 8 o'clock will uh, be on the mark for Booster Juice. Uh, looking forward to Howard Balzer uh, from Sirius XM NFL Radio. Howard's been on the show a few times already. Uh, has a big, you know, passion. And, uh, you know, his thought process with the with the Pro Football Hall of Fame is always spot on. Never mind all the coaching changes and with the vacancies running out, where does a guy like... Bill Belichick fall. Maybe he doesn't fall in to any coaching plans in the NFL this year. Laura and Jeff Walker will guess with us. Uh, two of the top curlers going. Uh, husband, wife, obviously. And Laura kind of concentrating on doubles the last little bit. Jeff Walker, of course, well, I mean, he's been about to about 87 Briars. He's won five of them and uh, bronze medalist in 2022. Uh, but we're going to talk to the two of them about how how do you balance how do you balance the two of them? They've got two small kids, Liam and Weston. How do you balance going all over for bond spiels and events and things like that? And just, uh, you know, what, what curling is to them and where it's taken them and, and what they want to accomplish still. Uh, then at Hellgill at 1040. Looking forward to that. Uh, he'll set up tomorrow's Oilers-Nashville game before the All-Star break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little football with Eddie, a little CFL, because a few things happening with the CFL, the Elks, and the NFL. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele in studio on Sports 1440. Man, we've heard that song a few times in the last little bit. Down at Rogers Place. Um, text coming in one 401 1440 Kevin carries Eddie Steele on a beautiful Friday morning. Uh, man, it's going to get even sloppier out there on the weekend, <laughs> the way things are going. Uh, 
Gordon D. Texan, good morning, KK. Oilers got away with two nights in a row with their starts. Uh, better figure it out before they get in bad habits. It's true. You can see a few things creeping in. You, you could see a few things creeping into, like a guy like Evan Bouchard, a uh, little couple of plays. Trying too hard to make difficult, long passes instead of a, a shorter connector. And that's not just Bouchard. This is a lot of guys in it the is. last couple of games. It so, is. But you could kind of see uh, that. Um Stair Farmer says the team looks confident with Pickard in net. And Brett from, uh, where are you, Brett? Brett from Stoney. Seems like uh, we got our goalies for the playoffs still early, but uh, Pickard hasn't given any reason for him not to be the backup. These are all going to be very, very interesting decisions, what Ken Holland goes to do. Stu Skinner right now is playing as well as anyone in the league. Absolutely. His numbers, like, you know what's funny, um, Eddie, if you ever, you know, you know, I know you love doing research on what we're going to talk about in all our shows. If you go to the NHL stats page and you just punch up goaltenders and you'll see all the goalies. Well, back in the day of the early part of the season, so I would I went on there and I'm like, well, it's on like the first page. There's like, there's a lot of goalies and I can't find Skinner. Like he's not there. And I'm like, oh, it must be a mistake. Then I went second page. Well, he's not on the second page. That far down. So that many guys, you know, he, he's below, you know, he's below 50. I think they had 25 per page. So he's in the bottom 10 of the third page, you know. And now he's up there. He's like his goals against 249. Thatcher Demko, 246. He, uh, Where would his numbers be right now? Oh. He'd be right middle of the pack, isn't he? Well, right now his his uh, like for instance like his goals against average is two forty nine as I, as I said. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thatcher Demko's at two forty, so I'm off. I was off by a little bit. So there's a whole clump of them in that area, and you know, save percentage is is a little lower than those guys. That yeah, are there because it was so. It was, I mean, he was in. The, he was below seven hundred. Yeah. Because you know, he's right around 900. A nine, little over, yeah. yeah he's, yeah. I think, 904 or something like that. It's right slowly creeping up. What'll yeah. help you, though, is going on a 15-game win streak. Cool. You know, what's yeah. what's he personally on the win streak? Uh, he has 11, I think, 11 wins, but he's also, he's, he broke the record with Grant Fuhrer Grant. for consecutive victories. Yeah. But, I mean, when you look at his stats in the last 20 games, he's 18-2 and two since November 24th. That's good playing. You know, that's really good playing. I, you know, so... <laughs> and going back to what you said about Pickard, and you were just talking about how he was making, silencing some of the noise in terms of, you know, can he be the backup? And this is a guy coming from the third string spot who is do, playing well in his role. Well, another thing that he has really quieted down is the Jack Campbell chatter, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there really is none, because the, he solidified and, himself right and now. And Jack's playing better now and he again. is, he is. You know, he knows it. He has to play out of his mind for him, for the others to even think about calling him up. Yeah, I, so, I I personally can't and see it doesn't that work. It doesn't work money wise. So it, I mean, this is what it is for now. I mean, the penalty shot save uh, that was on uh, Mackenzie Entwistle mm-hmm. um, maybe didn't come in with a great great. I mean, this isn't a this isn't an elite goal scorer by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, he still tried to go five hole. He got a lot on the shot. Yeah, you got to give credit to Pickard again. So that was a that was such a critical point of the game. You know, man it's one on nothing. Man. One nothing in your what a minute and some left in the in the in the period, period. and you come up with a save like that. I, I it was to me it was about a fifty fifty call for a penalty shot. 
you know. Yeah, you I, I, I understand. You got to give credit for uh, Vinny DeHarnay for getting back into like the he hustle. he got on his horse. Oh, he did, man, and had a big chance. strides. <laughs> well, I mean, the the, the wing, wingspan is about fifteen feet. Yeah, you know, maybe more. <laughs> so, so the Oilers just doing a little bit of math, you know, and we're not going to talk about the win streak because everybody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. But when you go on a streak like this. That's 19.58% of your season. Let's round it up. That's 20% of your season. Yes. Like, well, isn't that incredible? Th- yeah, the 15 wins and the eight, right? So that's 23. It's well over, mm. you know, a quarter of the wins. So, and I mean, everything is going right, but they, they need they need to play better. They and need the, to play better. The, here's, yeah. a, here's another thing. Everything's going in their, in their way. So Nashville comes in and then, okay, whatever happens, happens. But now you got 10 days off. To either to to reset, no matter where you are. Exactly. If you've won sixteen in a row, you're still resetting. If you have lost your first one after fifteen games in a row, you're still resetting. That's exactly it. So great point. Well, Nashville comes in. What happens is Leon goes for ten points. But (laughs) (laughs) well, Nashville won last night. So they defeated uh, Minnesota in Minnesota three two. So they're coming in here, coming rolling, uh, coming in. Yeah, and they're they're fighting for their their wild card lives. So I expect a good a good game tomorrow. So go, going back to a point you just said here, uh, no, they haven't been playing great hockey the past couple of games, but on this win streak as well, there's been 13 games of two goals or less. That's, yes, that's that, that's even more in impressive. Oilers country. Yeah. That's good hockey because that's uncharacteristic. That's not what we're accustomed to. No, uh, that's almost as impressive. It, in my mind, it might be more impressive than the win streak. It, it is in my mind too because you're yeah. um, shaping to play a certain type of brand of hockey that you need in order to hoist that thing, man. And down south in Calgary, things are going south. Uh, Calgary lost to Columbus last night, five two. The Oilers with the victory now five points back of Vegas with four games in hand. So uh, that's a big game. The the first game after the break is in Vegas. Huge game. So uh, let's talk a little football with you, Eddie, because obviously that is your your bread or, bread and butter. NFL playoffs, divisional championships this weekend. What are you expecting? Is there maybe a surprise? Do you like, I mean, the Duke is, he's kind of looking at Detroit maybe to go into San Fran. He Duke thinks Baltimore is a, uh, he's taking Baltimore. I think anytime you got Patty Mahomes. Patty. So. I'm all in on Baltimore too. Okay. I think that this year they're just different. Lamar, he he's won the MVP in the past. I think it was 2019, and uh, you can just see he's a different player. Uh, even though he's already been a league MVP, calm out there. He's a better passer. They have better weapons on offense. You're right though, Patty Mahomes on the other side, man. Doesn't matter who his teammates are. You can't count that guy out. It's yeah. incredible. Uh, I I want to count him out because I have a little bit of fatigue watching him over and over and over again, but that's that's the great players. That's what they do. San Fran, I think, is going to run away with it. I, I okay. In my heart, I want Detroit. I really do. Um, and they can play physical football. They can run the ball, but their secondary is just not good. Like, they give up so many plays, and they have every playoff game, and that's kind of the thing. They know that they're going to give up the plays. They can... Um, kind of limit mm-hmm. the damage that the big plays create, but they give up big plays in their secondary. Yeah. Kevin Carey's Eddie Steele, Sports 1440, coming up to 7.30 on a Friday. The weekend is here. Uh, CFL, it's free agency coming up in a couple of weeks here. Still, obviously, some big, big names out there. A lot of them in Winnipeg, it seems, doesn't it? Uh, do you see 
a bigger splash with the team going for a certain player. And I guess I'm kind of thinking like a, a Dalton Schoen or uh, Matthew Betts even in BC still is out there and had a mm-hmm. great year. So uh, do you see anyone moving? Is there a team where a certain player fits in into a certain team? You know, like the money that these guys are asking for have been hearing has just been crazy. Like mm-hmm. I heard Betts is asking for 300000 and like just astronomical money that you normally wouldn't pay a guy that who's not a quarterback, yeah. you know. Brady Olivier, he's looking to double his contract, which was 100 k base last year in Winnipeg. So they don't have the money to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to have a good team, which BC was, Winnipeg has been, with veterans, you have to give everybody a piece of the pie and one guy can't be commanding a huge chunk of the cap. So it's. I, I think there will be some movement unless uh, players are willing to give a little bit, but it's it's hard to tell players like a Brady Olivier, a Matthew Betts, who are coming off of career years, record-breaking years, mm-hmm. uh, to take less. It's hard to tell guys that when you see, especially some of these receivers, in the numbers that you're hearing with the receiver market in the CFL, it's it's wild to me. That market has really been reset thanks to uh, Darius Bowman when he was here in Edmonton because he really pushed that bar to that $180,000, $200,000 range. And now teams are having two or three guys that are get, making that type of money in the receiving core. So if those guys are getting paid at that area, guys are going to have to take less in different areas. So I, I do think there'll be movement. Uh, I do. I don't know where, but the money has to align. And that's the biggest challenge with the CFL is the money. It's always the money. We know that. So you're... You know Brady Oliveira quite well. Yeah. So is he a fit somewhere else? And would Winnipeg just kind of be waiting him out here kind of thing? That's the, you know, the nature of negotiations. Yeah. Well, the thing about Winnipeg is they have a really good running back in Johnny Augustine, too, who's a Canadian. And that position, uh, could they maybe be willing to change the ratio that has been a Canadian position mm-hmm. running back for the Bombers since 2016, since Andrew Harris came over there. Mm-hmm. So that's, we're talking eight years now. And now that the time frame doesn't matter, but they've molded their roster uh, in such a way that the, the running back is their focus key uh, position for a Canadian. And with the way that they've built their offensive line, I don't know if Brady could have success going somewhere else because that offensive line, I mean, shoot, Kevin, mm-hmm. you could run behind that offensive line and gain five <laughs> yards a pop. Maybe the Duke could, not me. <laughs> but in all reality, you just got to fall forward and you're going to get four yeah. yards behind that offensive line. That's how good they've been and how good they are. So yeah, uh, Winnipeg, out of, Kyle Walters is a notoriously, um, no, I'm not going to say cheap, but he's a tough negotiator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say he was cheap with me because he never <laughs> paid me what I wanted. Yeah. But, but I don't think these guys, especially a Brady, where Winnipeg is such a veteran-laden team, is going to be able to command the money that he wants and get paid it. Mm-hmm. So the uh, CFL winter rankings uh, were released uh, yesterday or the day before uh, for the draft. Isaiah Adams is the top prospect, you could say. Uh, offensive lineman plays at Illinois. Uh, now, how careful do teams have to be? I always, and we're talking about this, Austin Pastor was drafted by the then Eskimos. I saw him and chatted with him on the sidelines uh, during a game because I kind of wanted to see what he was all about. He, the the green and gold brought him in to, to watch a game. But you, and he, he, you know, he's looking around, nice stadium, the whole bit, da, 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 da. You know, he was playing in Virginia and you could just see, he's like, I'm not interested here. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I want to go to the NFL. So how wary are teams 
with high picks that you know we're probably not going to get them. It, that's uh, it's more challenging now than it was, especially when I, certainly when I was coming out of college because say back in 2010 when I was going through the draft process, you maybe would have one or two Canadians mm-hmm. who are getting American looks, NFL looks. Now you look at the list and half of the guys, if not more, are playing at big-time NC2A programs, mm-hmm. Auburn, Arizona, Illinois, Penn State. The, look at the whole list. It's yeah. all these guys who have uh, – they're considered Canadian because they have a mom who was born here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of how the rules have gone nowadays. Um, the guys that you really got to be leery of – I would say are like the tight ends. If you look at the list, for example, there's a couple of tight ends. Well, the CFL doesn't really have a tight end position. So that guy, chances are he's not going to come up here and play because you'd be a fullback, a special teamer your whole career, kind of a tweener. uh, Whereas in the American game, there's an actual tight end position. But you got to be cautious because you can't waste draft picks, especially in, those first no, rounders. Yeah. You, you might as well, round you might well just go for the you know the plugger Canadian O line. Uh, you're sure figure it out. U of S O yeah. lineman, your guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get that O lineman from Kamsack. Yeah. He was two ninety playing in grade ten already. Exactly, exactly. So, it's tough, man. It's yeah. because nowadays you have so many guys who are Canadian playing down south or are now considered Canadian because they have a Canadian relative and. It just opens up that pool, right? It's a total crapshoot. Just a quick comment on how you think the Elks have done so far in the off season. Oh, that's a good question, Kev. Um, the one guy that I wanted to bring up specifically was Robert Kimdichi. Yeah. So signing him because they traded Serezna for Curly Gittens. So I'm okay with that trade because you're getting a Canadian wideout, and if Kimdichi can do what Serezna was doing. Or I mean, you even win the half trade. of it. Yeah. Even half of it. If you get half of the production that Serezno is putting out, you're going to have a really good year at D-Tackle. Um, lots of hype around Kandipchi coming out of the draft, man. I remember him yeah. and watching him at Ole Miss. He was a big-time prospect and uh, just made some off-the-field poor choices mm-hmm. that kind of landed him in some hot water and out of the league pretty quickly. It'll be interesting to see what kind of shape he comes in with. That's mm. the my biggest Play thing. clock. Man, it's such a different game in terms of in the trenches, you need to be in shape. Yeah. You can't just be a big 340-pound slug where you have a play and then you got 40-second break. Yeah. Like you and you got to run cuz this field is different and the roster is different. So you got to be able a, a lot more versatile player up here in Canada. So if he comes in in shape, I, I bet he'll be able to play. What about losing the key veteran leadership guys like Ganey, Serezna, you know? Yeah, it's unfortunate uh, with Ganey, but part of the game, you know, yep. and he's a buddy of mine. Um, and I just haven't been there and kind of getting old and the the game just it doesn't stop for anybody man yeah, the game father doesn't, time wins, it man. doesn't stop for anybody and i got out of the game at 32 and Ganey's already surpassed me at 33 playing a a position where it's pretty hard to do as you get older cuz you're doing a ton of running you know whereas the lineman it's a little easier to get away with i mean montreal just re-upped uh, christian matt uh, offensive lineman <laughs> And he came into the league my draft year. And he was a couple years older because he played in Quebec. So he's 38, yeah. playing guard still. I, I couldn't believe it. You can't do that at any other position other than a Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with Ganey, you lose a lot of your veteran leadership. Serezno, we know it is what it is. 
to touch on your point with bringing Gittens over, I, I like the move. And they only made that move for Macbeth. That's yep. the only reason. Bring him some some comfort. Him, uh, Gittens' contract and Serezna's contract are essentially a wash. They're both making a couple hundred k. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I do really like that move because you're trying, you're showing your quarterback that you just signed that we're trying to bring pieces that you're comfortable with to provide you the opportunity to have the most success. Good stuff, Eddie. When we come back, we're going to talk a little women's hockey with Mel Davidson. And, you know, what a storied career. Now going in the IIHF Hall of Fame. That's coming up. Carries Steel Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. More than just Fountain Tires, more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome in Mel Davidson uh, to the program. Mel, you're with Kevin Carius and Eddie Steele, the former CFLer. Welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Good morning to you guys. And congratulations, Mel, on uh, about to be inducted into the Double IHF Hall of Fame for all your uh, what you've done to the game. Uh, you've got to be just tickled pink to uh, uh, to receive this uh, well-deserved honor. Well, thanks very much. Yes, it's an incredible uh, honor and, and very humbling. As we know, there's lots of inroads being made uh, in women's hockey and women uh, joining hockey. So this acknowledgement from one of the top organizations in the world in hockey is truly special, and uh, it caught me off guard for sure. How proud are you, Mel, when you got involved in the women's game, and you were coaching men's before that too and everything, but to see where the women's game was when you started and to see where it is now, how proud are you of that? Well, definitely. I mean, there's been so many people that have worked so hard um, you know, with the risk of sounding like our parents, when I look back to the 90s when I was a recreation director in Castor, you know, there were three under-18 teams in all of Alberta. <laughs> That's of any age group, like three teams, one Calgary, one Edmonton, and I had one in central Alberta. And now, you know, we have provincial championships for every age group. There's countless divisions, you know, thousands of girls playing the game just in Alberta alone. And I think there's over 90,000 that play just in Ontario alone. So it's uh, it's so much fun. And, you know, it's uh, a special sport for uh, most men. And now women get to have it as a game of life, our game for life as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Mel, with the, uh, the startup of the PWHL, how does that make you feel to kind of piggyback on to Kevin's question in terms of feeling proud about the sport, where it's come? And with the PWHL, do you feel like it's kind of like a, a finally, that it's long overdue that we have a professional women's league? Yeah, to all of those. You know, it's been interesting, the evolution, all the different leagues we've had, the NWHL, the CWHL, you know, the PHF seeing the vision long enough to fold into the PW so this could happen. But, you know, it's the right time. I'm not positive we would have got the same reception five years ago or ten years ago. So it's funny how in life, sports, timing is everything. And right now it's the right time, and we're getting tremendous support. And, you know, the test will be to sustain that support and continue to put a terrific product on the ice. 
Mel Davidson uh, with us, Kevin Carius, Eddie Steele on Sports 1440. When you go back to the Olympic gold medals, Mel, in 06 and, and 2010, what kind of memories just flood back uh, to you when you think back to those uh, great teams that you had representing our country? Well, man, I was young back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I say this often. It's, it's that moment when the anthem plays and you look along the blue line and you look at your staff on the bench and you, you know everything they've been through to get there. And I'm not a big person to say we make sacrifices in sport because we make choices to be a part of sport. But when you know their stories and you look at that line, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And the anthem just means it's like the icing on the cake when you hear the anthem. And then, you know, I would add one more step on, on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, the 2010 team was in, inducted into the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame and we were, you know, talking and catching up, and they were telling me how many things they didn't like about what I did as a coach, et cetera. <laughs> but <clears throat> the proudest moment we all realized was every member of that team is involved in the game in some form or fashion, whether they're a equipment, they're in equipment with CCM, whether they're coaching their kids, whether they're, they're administrators, officials. So that was pretty special to see that legacy that – Every one of them is still in the game. Hmm. Now, Mel, I want to stick with the Olympic theme here. Coaching at the Olympics, how, I was a player. I played almost a decade in the CFL. Uh, and from a player, it's a total different perspective than coaching. So coaching, how challenging was it uh, coaching an Olympic roster where you don't get the chance to spend much time with these athletes? You get a little bit of practice time and some some pre-Olympic camps, et cetera. But when you're actually getting down to it, you don't have a ton of time with the team. So how tough is that? It's hard. I mean, the year before the Olympics, we were always full-time. So that helped a lot. And then our work with the, I think it's the Alberta Elite Hockey League now, but back then it was the Alberta Major Midget Hockey League, the U18 Mm -hmm. Male League that we played with. So that preparation helped. But, you know, you have to tip your hat to – to all the athletes in terms of how prepared they came in and if they weren't prepared and you gave them a message you knew the next time or in the months to come they were going to be ready to go so you know it was sort of a a marriage that they had to depend on us and, and Hockey Canada to provide the best atmosphere we could or environment to be successful and we had to depend on them to do the things when they weren't with us that were needed. Melody Davidson, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carius, Eddie Steele with you. Can you just describe the rivalry you had with the United States uh, over all those years, Mel? Because you guys really had some titanic tilts, and it's a rivalry that started from day one and has really just continued on in the women's game uh, to this day. Oh, yeah. I mean, is there a rivalry any better that's gone as long as this? I mean, over the years, I mean... I think I, I believe I'd be safe to say in the early years it was just pure outright hatred. <laughs> like it was just hatred. Over time, as, as Canadians started to play in the NCAA and American players, Canadian players were teammates, it became, you know, a fierce rivalry with tremendous amount of respect. I think even in that hatred there was a lot of respect. But, you know, the the game is is so good and I, I feel like what we're seeing with the PWHL and the, the shift to really have the game called on the physicality side the way the rule is written is a direct result of how Canada and USA play each mm-hmm. other 
Um, so, I mean, there's no better. It's so exciting. And if I was a betting person, I'd always take the score 3-2 one way or another. Hmm. When were you at the U of A? What years were you uh, here at the U of A, Mel? Oh, gosh. That's a long time <laughs> so, ago. Sorry. Um, I think it's, I graduated in uh, 86. Okay. So I was there. I went to Redyear College first, and mm-hmm. then my final two years of my BP at uh, Edmonton, so it would have been 84 to 86, I guess. So I guess that kind of leads me to this. Were, were you hanging around Claire Drake Arena a lot at that time? And, you know, and who were some of your, I guess, coaching mentors, and who helped you kind of get the bug and wanted to kind of get into the coaching game? You know, I have no idea. Like, obviously, there were no women. Yeah. I started coaching when I was in grade 8, to be honest. I started coaching my brother's team. Um, at home. So really it was those parents who didn't kick me off the ice and and kept me involved um, over time. You know, when I went to U of A and Red Deer, I, th- both of uh, those cities had women's teams. It was that time that I was like, oh, I can play. I just don't have to coach. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, there was U of A at that time had a club team in the, the women's senior league in Edmonton. They weren't a varsity team, played there. Uh, you know, I was really fortunate to have two years of courses with Claire Drake, who, you know, later on became, as you mentioned, a mentor and a good friend. And I still have, it's funny, I still have the notes and the and the documents from those two classes, and they, they are still the foundational pieces of any hockey team mm-hmm. if you went to them and used them. So wow. I, I was really privileged to grow up in Alberta at the time with the support of Hockey Alberta. I wouldn't say I was always accepted, but nobody kicked me out the door either. Yeah. Uh, and it was an exciting time in Alberta with the Claire Drakes, the Wayne Flemings, the Billy Moores, mm. the, all the different coaches that were in Alberta at that time, Dave King, uh, Tom Rennie, you know, that you got to hear them speak every weekend on an evening course. And when I went to the national level and started going to countrywide seminars, you know, I realized how much we took it for granted in Alberta because I'd sit down and I'd be like, oh, Claire Drake again? You know, isn't there anybody new? And then I'd realize nobody else in the room had even heard him speak. And here I've had years of him. So it was exciting. Yeah. Mel, you're one of the most influential coaches in, in the women's hockey game. In Just hearing you speak, you started coaching your brother's team when you were eight years old, you said? Grade eight. Grade eight. Grade eight. Sorry, I wish no. I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> Grade eight. Uh, is coaching something that you always just had a desire to do, or were you a player who turned into coaching? Because it seems like coaching is something that you were born to do. Yeah, it's you know, growing up in a small town, if you uh, uh, play the sport, you ended up coaching it. So I coached softball, swimming, mm-hmm. basketball, volleyball. Funny how I started coaching hockey because I never played early on but my philosophy kind of through those years was there was so much going on outside of our small town that nobody knew about and I always kind of internally vowed that if I ever got the opportunity to uh, influence I would make sure that you know young people male or female boys or girls knew what was out there for them athletically and then I think that's what drove me. My parents told me I had to go to university, and I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to take? <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's some phys ed stuff. So I didn't want to teach because I didn't want to be one of those teachers that couldn't teach and uh, ended up through coaching and then 
you know, as a recreation director and caster, so that really fed, you know, the opportunities to, if you will, to have that almost uh, guinea pig type settings where you were trying things and learning things. So, yeah, I guess it, it has been, but I think it was growing more out of a willingness or wanting to make sure that young people knew what great opportunities were out there for them, regardless of where they grew up. Mel Davidson with us on Sports 1440. Mel, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I hate doing that to guests, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts because you coach so many great players, so many great uh, Canadian players on the national team. So if you're down one nothing or down by a goal to the U.S. with one minute left in the game and you need a tying goal, who are the five players you're throwing out on the ice? Can you Can you rip them off off the top of your head? <laughs> Doesn't matter any era that you coached. Any era? Yeah. Um, well, I coached Poulin when she was still up and coming, so okay. I'll leave her with the honorable mention piece. <laughs> um, I would go Wick, Hef, Sherry Piper, um, Geraldine Heaney, and how many is that? Three, four? Yeah. And uh, maybe Danielle Goyette. Goyette. Sanahara. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Valencourt. Mm. Uh, so some players like that, gritty, smart, can shoot, all of that type of player, type of players. But I mean, I, it's so tough. Many good players. It's tough. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I just, I just always like coaches' thoughts because they had when they coach so many great players. It's just an, it's kind of an interest. Yeah. There's some that stick out. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. A, a little bit more about going in uh, the double IHF uh, Hall of Fame here before we let you go. Going in with Ryan Smith. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. So when is it? What is it? What's it all about? Ah, uh, well, I'm still learning. I, I honestly haven't paid a lot of attention to it in the past, to be honest, because they hold it during the Men's World Championship. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily get, you know, some of the attention back back home here. But it'll be the Sunday of the World Cha- of the World Championships, the medal day. I think it's May 26th or something in there. Um, it's in Prague. Mm-hmm. And they it's, it's really low-key. They do a small ceremony um, and acknowledge you. In the past, people have gotten their... Um, country's jersey so it'll be it'll just be nice to be there i have you know a few friends that are going to go over and i haven't heard if anybody else is going but it'll just be a a nice opportunity to to be in that world because we aren't as as women we aren't necessarily at the men's worlds a lot well mel it's an honor well deserved thanks so much for spending the time with us this morning uh, and uh, have a great time with the induction ceremony thanks a lot Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, and have a great weekend. You too. That's Mel Davidson, uh, Olympic two-time coach of the uh, gold medal women's national team. And our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. When we come back, it'll be Mark Spector for On the Mark for Booster Juice uh, from Rogers Sportsnet. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football, the AFC, NFC, Divisional Championships. This Sunday at First Round, you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.